The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Happen, all right? Luke chapter 11. We're beginning a brand new series today called Teach Us to Pray. And I am super pumped about this series because for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer and help you to have a better understanding of the role of prayer in your life. And I'm excited because I have seen firsthand what prayer can do in the life of a believer. And I have seen what prayer can do in the life of a church that really buys into it. In fact, this year, as we started off this year, uh, we actually got a book from, from Katie Quinn, a, a member of our church, gave me and Sarah this book called Teach Us to Pray. We actually have it. We'll, we'll have it available for you to purchase next week if you want to get it. But we read it, and it just kind of changed us and our team, our perspective on prayer. We've always been a praying church, but it really brought us to this place of, of, of a new commitment to prayer. And so we've been digging in as a church, as a staff to prayer and man we've seen God just already move in some incredible incredible ways the the church growth spike that we've experienced since the beginning of this year has just been like none we've ever experienced in fact over the last 16 months i i said this last year i don't or last week i don't know which service it was but over the last 16 months since covid our church has doubled in size okay just so you know guys that's unheard of like most churches are trying to get back to where they were before. We're, we, we're not just trying to get back to where we were. We're doubling in size. Like that is the hand of God. We're seeing God do something amazing. And I believe it has to do with the prayers that we've been praying, with our new commitment to prayer. And not only are we just seeing you know, more bodies in the church, but like incredible people are coming into this house. A powerful equipment. You know, one of the things you, you can learn about like a job site, if you've ever driven around our city, I, I live out in the Deer Creek area and out there there's a lot of neighborhoods being built. There's a lot of construction taking place right now. And you, you can see like the, the dirt work will start happening. And one of the ways you can kind of tell the size of the work that's getting ready to be done is the size of the equipment that shows up on the site. The bigger the equipment that shows up on the site, the bigger the project that's getting ready to be done. And we have seen God show up with some equipment lately in the church. People coming into this house that are fully equipped and ready to hit the ground running. And so that tells me God is up to something. He wants to build something. He's given us some earth shakers, some, some earth movers, some people who can bring kingdom realities into this world. And I am excited about God, what God is doing and I believe it's a result of the prayers that are being prayed. And so what I'm more excited about now, we've been talking about this series since the beginning of the year, is now we're going to get everybody on the same page. This whole body is going to be praying. We're going to have a new commitment to prayer. And I believe God is going to do something really cool in this church. Now, as we jump into this this morning, i got a question for you. If I was to come up to you and ask you the question, do you think prayer is important what kind of answer would you give me? Now, don't answer, just kind of keep it to yourself. But I would guess that pretty much everyone in this room, if I was to walk up to you and say, do you think prayer is important? I'm, I'm guessing that you would say, yeah, I believe prayer is important. Now, here's the next question for you. Does your walk with prayer reflect your value for prayer? So, in other words, do you, what you believe, is it what you're actually living out? 
See, for some reason, I, I found this to be true. A lot of people, I bet a lot of you believe prayer is important, and yet there's a disconnect between what we believe and what we're actually walking out in our life. And I believe the reason why this takes place so often is because we just don't understand. We don't really understand what prayer is all about. We don't understand what's available to us through prayer. You know, guys, through prayer, you can connect with God. You can talk to God. God can talk to you. The Bible says His sheep hear His voice. You know God wants to talk to you? He speaks to you through His Word, but He also speaks to you through His still, small voice in those moments of prayer when you make that available to Him. He wants to speak to you. And, and, and this morning I was driving into church, and I, like I said, I live kind of out in Deer Creek, kind of way out there, and as you're driving into, the, into town, there's a lot of like land and stuff with cows on it and farmland and stuff like that. And I'm driving in and just praying this morning on my way to church, and I'm just looking at all this stuff and just like, man, God is, God is so awesome. Like, God created all this, holds it all together. Yeah. Uh, not just what I see here in Oklahoma, but, you know, all across the world in the universe. And then in be, even beyond that, I started thinking about how, like, God even created, like, the iPhone. You know that, right? Like, God created that because He created the minds that created that. I was thinking, too, uh, my mind just kind of goes this direction. I started thinking, if you put me in a time machine and put me back a hundred years and I knew that there was the capability to make an iPhone, I still couldn't do it because I have no idea how to do that. I'd be like pushing a concrete wheel around. That's about the best I can do. But there are people that have been able to take technology and create things like that and it's not even done. I mean, there's amazing things that are being made through technology, but I want you to know it's God that created the minds that are able to do that. Everything is sustained and created by God. And just so you know, that God wants to connect with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. And prayer is how we do that. But so often we miss out on it. And I, I think it's because we just don't understand. Hosea 4 verse 6 says this. It says, My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And I think sometimes we think, when, you know, when we think of destroyed, we think of it from this, from this perspective of like, you know, your life is just in ruins. Your life is just a mess. But I really do believe this. I believe that if some of us could actually see our full potential in Christ Jesus, then we would look at our life no matter where we are, no matter how good it may look right now, and we would say that's a destroyed life compared to what God can actually do in my life. Even if you're living a really great life right now, I believe God's life that He's called you to is so much greater. But we miss out on that sometimes because of, a, because of a lack of knowledge. We don't understand. We don't understand what's available to us through prayer. We don't understand how we can connect with God. And so we see verses like James 5.16. It says that the prayer of, of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And we kind of go, well, I, I haven't experienced that. I've never really seen that. And so we, we pull back, even though that's a, that's a verse that's true. That's the truth. That's God's word. That our prayers can be powerful and effective because we haven't really experienced that. And maybe we haven't experienced it because we don't know how to pray. You know, the Bible says this in James 4.3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You know, it's possible to pray but not know how to pray and not receive your prayers, not see your prayers answered because you, you just don't know how to pray the right way. And so what we want to do in this series is we want to help you understand what's available to you through prayer, how to pray, why we pray, how we, how we connect with God, how we address God, how we deal with the things in this earth through prayer, how we do all this the right way, 
But beyond just what prayer can be for us, and listen, that, that's awesome. I love that, that we want to pray for our issues, and that's important. But, but so often I think we fall short when it comes to prayer because our prayers don't land much further than our life. We pray, and, and for some of you, your prayer life simply consists of, God, forgive me, I, I did it again. God, I, I'm, I'm really struggling over here. God, I need help. God, I'm sick. God, I, I'm, I, I, I'm a mess. And listen, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to pray for yourself. God, absolutely, what prayer is for you. I'm just saying, church, I believe God's called us to something greater, too. A prayer is a spiritual weapon that God has given us, that He's given us so that we can create the kingdom of heaven in this earth today. So that we can bring kingdom realities from God's kingdom into this earth so that we can fight for and, and, and contend for things that Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross to make available to us. We can fight for those things through prayer and bring them into the reality. So that not only are we praying for, is prayer for you, but God wants you to be a person who's God's praying through you. You guys tracking with me this morning? So, so this is the possibility of prayer we're going to be talking about today. And my goal is this. I want to get you excited about prayer. I really do. I want to lay some groundwork. I'm not going to get super practical with you today. We're going to build on, on this in the weeks ahead of how to pray and what this really looks like. Today, I just want to get you excited about the possibility of prayer, the possibility of connecting with God and connecting with the promises of God and seeing God work in your life the way He wants to, through your life the way He wants to in this world. So get excited this morning. Amen? Amen. So let's pray, and then let's talk about prayer. Sound good? All right, bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we, we, we just thank you this morning for this church, for what you're doing. I, I thank you for this worship that we just got to experience. Thank you for this incredible worship team. Lord, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for these people that are here today and, and for this heavy equipment that you've sent to us to help us. And God, we, we recognize today you've called us to something greater. You've called us to, to something greater in prayer than just prayer ending with us, Lord. You've called us to be people who bring kingdom realities into this world. And so today as we open up your word and we look at your word and we look to you, I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we'd see prayer like we've never seen it before, that we would be emboldened in our faith to step out and be the kind of people you've called us to be, that this church will be a church that is a house of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 11, we have a pretty, a pretty fascinating interaction between Jesus and some of his disciples, and this is kind of the main text for this series, this is where we see these words teach us to pray. Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus talking to his disciples. Look at the beginning of this, though. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. What was Jesus doing? Praying. He was praying, right? And you're going to see today that is something that Jesus did on the regular. Jesus was a person of prayer. As he finished, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Somebody say, teach us, teach us. to pray. That's what we're doing. We're going to learn how to pray. Just as John taught his disciples how to pray. Now, something interesting here. This is the only time in Scripture that Jesus' disciples ever specifically asked him to teach them something. They asked Jesus questions, but this was the only time they ever said, Jesus, teach us how this works. Now, what's interesting to me about this is what they asked him to teach them how to do, which is pray. Like, these are Jesus' disciples, right? These are the guys that have been with Jesus day in, day out 
for at this point over two years. They've been hanging out with him all the time. They have sat at the feet of Jesus and had personal interactions with him. They have been some of the closest people sitting around him as he taught the masses. They have seen the miracles that he has done. And just so you know, at this point, Jesus has done some amazing miracles. In fact, if you look at the chronologically, the history of the timeline of Jesus's miracles, by this point, most of the amazing things that we talk about have already been done. He's turned water into wine. He's healed healed people that are paralyzed, people that are blind. He's brought people back from the dead. He's multiplied the food, taken a few loaves of of bread and some fish and fed up to 25,000 people with that. He's, He's walked on water. He's calmed the storm by speaking to it. And these guys have all been eyewitnesses to this. They've been watching this. And yet in this moment... What they ask Jesus is, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I'm going to be real with you. If it was me, I don't know that that would have been what I would have asked. I would have probably been like, hey, Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. Because I'm thinking, if I can walk on water, people are going to listen to my message, right? Jesus, but they don't do that. They don't ask Jesus, how do, how do you raise people from the dead? They didn't ask him that. Jesus, how do you, how do you multiply food? That would come in handy sometimes, right? On a road trip, you know? Corn nuts just keep coming. That's great. <laughs> How do you prepare a message, Jesus? How do you do this? Like your, your teachings are amazing. How do you do it? How do you always know what to say to the Pharisees? How do you not kill the Pharisees? <laughs> How are you holding that back? But they, they don't ask that. They say, teach us to pray. Yeah. Now here's why. Because they saw something that I think sometimes we miss. Now look back at Luke chapter 11. Look at the very beginning of it once again. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. What was He doing, church? Praying. He was praying. This was the habit of Jesus' life. So Jesus had been praying, and now He shows up, and it's in this moment that they're going, Okay, Jesus, teach us what, that, what, what you were doing. And the reason they're asking Him to teach them that is because they have seen this over and over and over and over again in the life of Jesus. It's the habit of Jesus. It's the routine of Jesus to continue to go to God over and over again and pray. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this. It says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and slipped out to a solitary place to pray. This is what Jesus would do. He'd get up early. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, early in the morning in the Middle East is earlier than it is here in America. So the sun would rise. It says early in the morning, before, while, the sun, while it was still dark, before the sun came up, Jesus would go pray. Now, the sun rises in, in Israel somewhere between 4 and 5.40 a.m. every day, depending on the time of year it is. So sometime before the, that time, depending on that time of year, Jesus was getting up and he was praying. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to get up at 3 a.m. and pray, so calm down. But that's what Jesus did. And his disciples saw that. His disciples, I'm guessing there was days they were rolling out of bed, you know, kind of wiping the sleep out of their eyes. And Jesus was coming off the mountain, and he had just been with God. And so then we see Jesus doing stuff, and he goes, all right, guys, let's go to town. And so they head into town, and Jesus sees a blind man. And he walks up to the blind man, and he says, what do you need? I'd like to see. And he'd say, see. And he'd see in a moment. In a moment, he's seeing. He'd walk up to somebody who has leprosy. What would you like? Well, I'd like to not have leprosy. I'd like to be cleansed. And he'd say, be clean. And in a moment, immediately, they're cleansed. 
He walks up to someone and their, their child is demon-possessed. And they say, I'd like my, my child to not have, you know, be demon-possessed. Amen, church? How many of you like that? That'd be good. Moments. We have moments. And Jesus says, demon, go. And the demon goes. Someone's dead and he says, live. And they live. So his disciples are watching this. And they're seeing something. We see Jesus spending hours in prayer with the Lord and then just moments with people. And not praying for these people. Most of the time just addressing and speaking to the situation and things change. And I think the disciples finally started figuring something out. Maybe if you spend hours with God in private prayer, you'll only have to spend minutes with people in public prayer. I don't know if everybody got that this morning. Some of you did. Some of you got the Holy Spirit working. Some of you need to stir up that gift. You know, stir it up. Maybe if we spend hours with God in private prayer, we'll only have to spend minutes with people in public prayer. They're seeing something. And I think this is further emphasized in their life by a situation that they find. See, in Luke 11, Jesus, they're asking Jesus to teach us how to pray. But it's in Luke 10 that Jesus sends them out. He says, I want you to go and I want you to do my kind of work. Go out there and do what I do. And so they go out, but they have a situation that they encounter where they're not able to do Jesus' kind of work. And that, that situation is recorded in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Now, as we get ready to read this, Jesus has sent the disciples out, but at this moment, Jesus has been up on the mountain praying and fasting. And now he's coming down from that place of prayer and fasting to meet his disciples, and he steps into this situation where there's a little bit of an argument going on. He says this, What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. So I asked your disciples to cast out that evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? Now that sounds, that sounds kind of harsh, I know. But, but understand, these are Jesus' guys. And he's talking, and he's just cutting to the chase with them. You know, like, like with Sarah, me and Sarah, we've got a close relationship. So I don't, I don't have to always sugarcoat. I have to sugarcoat a lot. But I don't have to sugarcoat everything, okay? There's certain things I can just say to her and that she can just say to me that because of our relationship, I can say that. And that's what's going on here. Jesus is going to his disciples and going, guys, because here's the thing. His time is running out on this earth. And he's going, guys, you've got to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. I need you to see. You're not paying attention. You, I need you to watch what I'm doing. You're not seeing it the right way. He says, bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked. I love that. Like this kid's just like writhing and freaking out. And I just imagine Jesus kind of watching this going, how long has this been going on? Like, I, I don't for a minute think Jesus is going, whoa, uh, what God, no. No, he's like, wow, okay, how long has this been going on? <laughs> it says he replied, his father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Now look at these next words. If you've got a physical Bible with you, highlight this, circle this. Make a note of this. Look at what Jesus says. Anything is possible if a person 
believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. Say it with me, church. Anything is possible if a person believes. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. The Son of God said that. What did He say? Anything is possible if a person believes. Somebody say anything. Anything means anything, right? Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And listen, we can all find ourselves there. We believe, but sometimes we got little hang-ups, and that's what the walk of faith is all about, helping us to come to that place where we fully believe. But I love Jesus. He, he's so cool. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, He rebuked the evil spirit. Now notice this. He didn't pray. Watch. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, He's dead. The murmur. He's dead. I think he's dead. Is he dead? Did Jesus just kill that kid? <laughs> but Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Listen, sometimes the world will look at stuff and they'll say, he's dead. But Jesus can take you by the hand and lift you up because you ain't dead. If you're breathing right now, you ain't dead. If you ain't dead, you're alive. Now look at this. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? So this is sometime later. And Jesus replied to them, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Some translations say this kind can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus said this can only be cast out by prayer, but really, if you look at it on the surface, it looks like that's not what he modeled. Because Jesus didn't pray in the situation, did he? But, but here's what Jesus was pointing to. He wasn't, model, he wasn't pointing to the prayer in the moment. He was talking about the prayer on the mountain. The prayer that had already been stored up. See, it wasn't in this moment. Jesus didn't in this moment go, all right, um, Father God, let me, come here, kid, quit writhing and foaming. Hold on. <laughs> Father God, uh, in, in my name, um, would you make this demon leave this kid? And, you know, God, I don't know if you're noticing, but I'm not eating currently. So this is fasting. So, in, uh, again, in my name, Amen. But that's not what he did, is it? He just spoke to the Spirit. So when he's speaking about prayer and fasting, what he's speaking to is the prayer and fasting that we invest, that we draw from later on. What, that's what Jesus modeled. It's the time that you go away. See, Jesus was talking about the prayer and fasting we store up in private that leads to God showing up in public. If you're taking notes, jot this down. When you deposit prayer in private, you can withdraw power in public. When you deposit prayer in private, you can withdraw power in public. But you know what? So often we get this backwards. We live upside down. And what do we do? We, we spend a minute with God in the morning and then we go through life Spending hours trying to deal with situations here in this world. Trying to muster up what we need. But that's not the life Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled a life that's stored up and invested 
in kingdom realities. And then when he needed it, he just made withdrawals and, and would just deposit into the situation what he had already deposited in prayer. What, what if this is what God wants to do? What if God wants to make withdrawals? See, so often we see prayer as like a time for us to make withdrawals. Like we're just about, okay, God, I need this, I want this. And listen, there's some of that involved, but I believe that one of the things God wants to do through our prayer life is to help us make the kind of investments that we can later on make withdrawals from that not only affect us and minister to us, but that minister to the world. So we're, we're spending time with the Lord praying, making these investments in kingdom making investments with the Lord. And then later on, when we need wisdom, we can draw from it because we've invested in it, because we've stored it up. It's hard. Listen, it's hard to withdraw from an account you're not investing in. You ever notice that? You ever have a low bank balance? You can't withdraw what's not there. When you, invest, when you pray, what if, what if prayer is investing in the kingdom so that we can make the kind of withdrawals God wants us to make into this world? Withdrawing miracles into this world in a moment. So when we need them, boom, we can speak them into existence because the power of God, we're drawing from the power of God that we've deposited in our life. This is what the disciples figured out. And that's why in Luke 11 they say, teach us to pray. Not teach us to walk on water because they got it. If you can teach us to pray, then some of these miracles and these works that you're doing, we'll be able to do them because the power of God will be flowing through us because we've invested the right way. You tracking with me this morning, church? And I believe that as a church, that God wants to do some kingdom business through us. But in order for that to happen, we're going to have to do some business with Him. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We get busy. We busy, right? Life can get busy. Busy with school. Busy with work. Busy with practice. Busy with sports. Busy with Netflix. Busy. We're busy, 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 busy. I want you to know this morning, if, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. One of the goals of the enemy is to distract you. Because if, if he can distract you, he can keep you from the fullness of life God's called you to. And, and so understand this about how the devil will distract you. He won't just distract you with always just evil stuff. Sometimes he'll distract you with good stuff. Sometimes he'll distract you with God's stuff. And what we do is we end up placing something above God. I, I've seen this. I've seen pastors who put the church and the role of a pastor above their relationship with God. And it leads to disaster. God wants to be number one. So, so in life, understand, if you haven't figured this out, something you need to recognize this morning is this. In your life, on this side of eternity, there will always be a constant battle between what is urgent and what is really important. Between things that demand our attention and the things that actually deserve our attention. And we've got to learn how to, how to walk that balance with the Lord. In, in the classic books, uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey under... Point number three, which is put first things first, he says this, anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is an unconscious commitment to the unimportant. In other words, if we don't make an intentional commitment to what's really important, we'll unintentionally fall for stuff that's not important. And we'll get distracted, the enemy will distract you, and he'll keep you from God's best for your life and for what God wants to do through your life in the world. So we've got to fight 
to keep the main thing the main thing. And just so you know, the main thing, the main man, is God. God is the main thing. And God wants to connect with you. And yet so often we get busy. And we don't connect with Him. We don't pray. How crazy is that? Like I think sometimes we just... And I, I'm as, listen, I'm as guilty of it sometimes as anybody. There's days I'm going, man, I hardly talk to God at all today. I got so busy. And God's just waiting for the opportunity to be in your life and to talk with you. But we miss out on it. We miss out on God because we're busy. But realize this. It's because you're busy that you need to pray. Life is too busy to not be people of prayer. In fact, if you're too busy with life to pray, then you're busier than God designed you to be. So, so slow down and recognize what's available to you, the possibility of prayer. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. And, and, and God's not going to be able to do what He wants to do in the world through your life. You know, something about God that you need to understand is that, is that God doesn't go where He's not invited. But when He's invited, He'll show up. I, I did a little research this week kind of, you know, going into this series thinking about all these different people in the Bible who prayed. You know, if you start to read the Bible, you're going to find there's a lot of people in the Bible, men and women, who went to the Lord and prayed and God showed up. Over and over again. It's all through Scripture. In fact, let me give you just a couple of examples. Moses cried out to God and God spared Israel from judgment. Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. Hannah prayed and God gave her a baby boy. Solomon prayed and he received wisdom like no one else in human history. Jonah prayed and he got out of the belly of the whale. Elisha prayed and he received a double portion. The ten lepers prayed and they were instantaneously healed. Peter prayed and the woman named Dorcas came back to life. Great name, by the way. And then the, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail prayed and there was an earthquake and the jail cells opened up and all of the chains fell off through prayer. God shows up through prayer. And so I looked at this along with all these other stories because that's just the tip of the iceberg. A ton, I went through and looked at all these different stories of people where God shows up in their life. And I found, I found kind of this common denominator that I think we can begin to see that leads us to seeing our prayers answered. So church, lean in with me. I'm about to give you the secret to answered prayer. This is the key to you seeing your prayers answered. If you got a prayer request, this is what you got to do. All right, you ready for this? Here it is. If you want to see your prayers answered, you got to pray. You got to pray. God cannot answer prayers. You don't pray. And 100% of the prayers you don't pray will go unanswered. You got to pray. MC Hammer. Got to pray just to make it today. Some of you in your 40s like me, you get it. You get it. Prayer is vital. Why? Because prayer gives God earthly license for heavenly interference. When you pray, you invite God into the situation. God is not a party crasher. He doesn't go where He's not invited. As much as He may want to be a part of your life, He will not move in your life unless you invite Him in. And beyond that, realize this. And when I say this, some of you, this may feel a little funny at first, but, but hear me out. God can do nothing without your prayers. God can't move in this world without your prayers. You say, whoa, Pastor Josh, wait a minute. He's God. Like, can't God do whatever He wants to do? He can. But let me talk to you about theology for just a moment, okay? 
In the Bible, in Genesis 1.26, when God created this earth, He said this. I want you to see this with me. Look up on the screen or look in your Bible. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man. When He says man, it's not speaking to the male. It's speaking to mankind or male and females who He's talking to. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then He says this, And let them have dominion. In that moment, when Jesus, or when God made that declaration, that they would have dominion, in that moment, God handed, was handing over dominion to man. That man would have dominion. That word dominion means this. It means to rule, to have control, to dominate, to subjugate. Jesus says, let them have it. So in this moment, God is saying, okay, I'm creating this earth for, for, for man, and it's going to be a picture of what heaven is like here on this earth. But the, one of the big differences is man is going to be controlling this connected with me that's how God set it up so so what God did and I'll show you this in the Bible Psalms 115 16 the heavens are the heavens of the Lord but the earth he has given to the children of men so when God set this world up he set it up where in order for him to operate once he made that statement that man would have dominion that means in order for God to operate in this world he would need to work through man he would have to seek permission through man to work in this world. You say, whoa, Pastor Josh, hold on. I don't think maybe you've ever heard of this word, the sovereignty of the Lord. Actually, I have heard of that word. And I get it. Sovereignty means that God can do whatever he wants. And I totally agree. God can do whatever he wants to do. But I want you to know what God doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to undermine his word because he holds his word in great value. God doesn't want to do that, so God won't do that. Look at this, Psalms 138.2. You have exalted above all else your name and your word, and you have magnified your word above all your name. So God says, my word, I'm magnifying it. He, he chose to do that. So he chose to make himself, God himself is subject to the word that he has set in place. And we see this in Scripture because think about it. Right after God hands dominion over to Adam and Eve, they screw it up. And they sin. And you know what happens when they sin? They hand dominion over to the devil. And some of you, if you're a parent like me, you know, I give my kids something and they just trash it right away. I just go, give me that back. You're not going to take good care of it, then I'll just take it back. Me and mom will use it. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Why? Because he set his word in place. So even though the enemy has dominion now, God doesn't just take it from him. But God does want it back. So what does he do? He operates legally through the system whereby which he created that needs human interaction. And he sends his son Jesus as a human into this world to go to die on the cross to take dominion back from the kingdom of darkness. And so Jesus wins it back through the cross. And then what does he do with the dominion? He gives it right back to us. He says, all authority has been given unto me. And then he says, behold, I give you authority. So understand, everything God's going to do is going to be subject to his word. And this is why it's so important you understand how prayer works. It's through prayer that God moves in this world. Prayer is, gives God earthly license for heavenly interference. God wants to move in this earth. And so he's looking for people who will take up the mantle of prayer the way he set things up so that he can move through their prayers to do what he wants to do in this world. But we've got to be people that recognize that and take that 
up. It's through our prayers that the supernatural power of God is released into the natural. But if we don't invite God in, He ain't coming. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Waiting for someone to open the door. What does He say? He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Who opens the door? We do. We have to open the door. He says, if they do that, then I'll come in. But if you don't do it, guess what? He'll just stand outside the door knocking. Because God's not a party crasher. God doesn't go where He's not invited. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. God does go wherever He is invited. And 100% of the time, when you invite Him into your life through prayer, He's going to show up. He is going to show up. And that's the possibility of prayer. See, through prayer, you get the Almighty God to come and interact with your life. And yet, like, we don't do it. How crazy is that? Like, are you, I hope you're getting excited this morning. This is what prayer can do. We can invite God into our life. We can get everything God is and has is available to us through prayer. We got to be people of prayer. We give a limitless God, limitless ability in our life through prayer. And this is why we want to be a church full of people who are praying. A church full of people who get this. Look at what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. If my people. If my people. Notice that if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and say this next word with me. Pray. Humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. Notice, not just seek his hands. Not just seek everything he can give us. Seek his face. Seek a connection with him. Seek what he wants to do. What he wants to say. What he's calling us to. Seek him in a different way than just handouts from him all the time. Make investments with him. What does he want for you? What does he want from you? Seek him that way. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear. Then I will hear. If, then. If they pray, then I'll hear them. And I will forgive their sins and heal their land. I don't know about you, but I feel like we are living in a world where our land needs some healing. And what, what, what's holding it back? Prayer or lack thereof. If my people. So listen to New Song Church. This is big. God will not interfere until He hears His bride intercede. We are the bride of Christ. We are the children of God. We have been bought into the family of God. And we as a church are the bride of Christ. And listen, when the bride connects with the groom, when the bride, the church of Jesus Christ, connects with the groom, Jesus Christ. Listen, just like when people get married, what happens when two people get married? It's exciting. Because now there's reproduction that can take place. There's life that can be, take place. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to reproduce. He wants to build something that's new and that's life-giving and it's refreshing. And when the bride and the groom connect in prayer, man, God can show up in powerful ways. But God will not interfere unless His bride intercedes. So, uh, church, this is, what, this is what this is all about. Like, what if, church, what if we really did believe this? Like, what if we buy into this this morning and say, maybe it's the, that secret private prayer time with God that can make all the difference in the rest of my life. What if that secret private prayer time with God is the secret to my marriage being restored? Is the secret to me understanding what God wants to do with my life? Is the secret to to me walking in the fullness of life God's called me to? Is the secret to that child who's away from God coming home? Is the secret to whatever it is that we're lacking? What if it's that time we spend connecting with God so that we're not trying to draw investments from an account that's empty? It's time, church, to step up and be the people of prayer God has called us 
to be. And so my challenge to you is this. I got two challenges for you this morning, okay? I'm going to keep it real simple. Here's the first challenge. Pray. Pray. This week, pray. And pray wherever you find yourself. Like if you are brand new, if if you're a person right now and you say, I don't ever pray. Okay, start with five minutes. Maybe in five minutes you've run out of things. You've prayed everything you know to pray. And that's okay. If you're new to the things of God, I get it. Like, that's, that's fine. God sees that, and He loves that, and He'll bless that. Maybe you're a person who, who prays, you know, 30 minutes a day. Just, just keep doing that and add to it. Just dig in a little bit deeper and just see what God will do. Press in in prayer. Push yourself in prayer. Dig in. Do some research this week. Get, get on, online like, and, and look up prayers that you can pray according to the Bible. Ephesians 3, Ephesians uh, 6. There's some prayers there. there. There's all sorts of stuff in the Bible that will help you understand. Pray the Word. Pray Scripture. Just start praying this week. If you're going to do it, go like this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I see it's important. I'm man. I can connect with God. Pray and listen to God. In your prayer time, listen. Ask God questions. Allow Him to speak to you. And then here's my next thing, for, my next challenge for you is be here next week and every week of this series. Don't miss a week. Next week, Pastor Sarah is going to talk about the prayer that Jesus actually modeled for us. After they said, teach us to pray, Jesus taught them a model of prayer. And I promise you, I guarantee you, you are going to learn some stuff. I don't care how long you've been going to church. I know what some of this girl's been studying lately. And I promise you, she's got some stuff that you have never heard before related to how you pray and how you approach God. You are not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're back here with us next week. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.